0: Welcome to the A Show. It's the Ahmaud Arbery Show. God damn it, one trial better be fucking right. Ah, uh, for November 24th, 2021. How's it going? How's it going, everybody? Uh, I don't want to talk about the Kyle Rittenhouse House. <laughs> but i just realized that today was the uh, the time i re-record this november 23rd evening is the uh, first day of the uh, jury's attempt to do the deliberations uh almost all white juries white jury down there in uh, georgia um i don't know how that's gonna go i haven't really followed i really stopped following all these like trials at this point you know whether it's trayvon martin or the whoever, you know, Kyle Rittenhouse, all that stuff. You know, I, the laws need to change, not the <laughs> judicial system at this point. Because the way the laws are written, the way the gerrymandering is happening, the way all that campaigning is happening in this country, like, it's unbelievable. And then, you know, the laws are obviously getting tilted, you know. Towards you know to be against the minorities believe it or not and then the Supreme Courts are getting selected more towards conservative values that I don't think really reflected today's society and then yet the so-called Republicans and conservatives tout you know following the letters of the law while not realizing that the laws change you know not be an activist judge or something and gerrymandering to ensure that the laws that get in place whether at a local level state level or at the federal level are so damn tilted towards whatever favoritism that you know that are mostly tilted towards republicans and you know execute the building the law making the law and then the finally if you want to look at you know the people who have to pick it from and then have to like execute their duty as jurors or whatever the jury they get fucking shafted blame for it and i'm like what the fuck dude it's like this is a grassroots problem and i've been pointing out at it blah 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 anyways uh let's see how it goes i don't know if they're gonna come to a decision by the time the show comes out on wednesday uh let's see what happens but you know what let's let's turn to a happy talk let's let's turn the aa into an ann arbor shall we because for the first time, uh, I was over in um, Ann Arbor in a, in a while, attending a sporting event that was hockey. Jesus Christ. First hockey event that I- in like five months that's not a, not a kid's hockey <laughs> that I happened to be at and then I happened to be watching and I was just excited watching a hockey at a rink back in July. Um, one of the co-workers' kids. And then I go, wow, this is actual hockey. And then, uh, believe it or not, your University of Michigan hockey team, until this week, has been a number one team in the country. And, and uh, given the number of talents that came back, you know, four of the top five NHL draft picks came back for their sophomore seasons or the coming into the freshman season, uh, like the Hughes guy, one of the Hughes brothers, the third one, second one to be at the U of M. Uh, and then also a couple other first-round draft picks from the last couple of years decide to come back you know, for their sophomore junior seasons. Um, given that the expectations are very high for this hockey team, so I was excited to see how they play against their uh, fellow Big Ten rival, Notre Dame. Notre Dame, the Fighting Irish. Yes, they're in a Big Ten hockey conference, while not, they're not in any you know, of the Big Ten conferences or anything else. Uh, and then I watched the hockey game, and then it was the first time I was at the Yost Arena, the name change pending, um, in 10 years or so. And I I couldn't believe—11 years, actually. I couldn't believe it's been that long since I was at that arena. And then uh, I remember that building being really bricky and old, you know, got that retro 1930s, 40s feeling. Uh, but then this time, me and Colleen went. I go like, wow, this is brighter, lighter, new scoreboard. It feels updated quite a bit. It should have been over the last ten years, and I just go, "Wow, this arena is really nice." And it feels larger since it's brighter. It's like that fucking interior HGTV talk. It's like if you paint everything white with a lot of sunlight, and then take advantage of the feng shui, uh, you'll you'll your place will just won't feel just cozy, but much bigger than it really looks then I, I certainly felt that. I go like it, it, it feels very glitzy and glamorous. <laughs> and then I go, this better fucking keep up keep up. The selfish side of me goes like this this is how you attract the kids. <laughs> You cannot have a danky dark arena like it's from the 1990s or some shit and expect to, like, pump out the next generation of NHL talents. You know what I mean? This is how some of the old, like, athletic programs succeeded, such as uh, University of Nebraska, Cornhuskers football, back in the 60s and 70s. How the fuck do they attract talent into no- nowhere fuck Nebraska? While they had a great strength training facility, where they encourage, you know, all the big, strengthy people to come to Omaha, Nebraska, not Omaha, Lincoln, Nebraska, to be the next strengthy, strong man in the NFL. But now, every program has that strength program. Like, look at Oregon or, like, fucking Alabama and all those things. Strength coach is, a like, a norm at this point. So, Nebraska is struggling. So, Michigan has to fucking keep up with this shit, right? Like, you gotta, if you're gonna pump the next generations of the uh, NHL players and attract, especially one and done kids coming here instead of picking the junior hockey league and CHL or something, you gotta pimp out the fucking program. And they did. They did a, really, re- did a really good job, and I applaud them for it, you know, but at the same time, I watched this fucking game and I was like losing my shit. Because clearly, the talent gap between the Irish and then the Wolverine kids is like, it's fucking vast. It's like, if it takes Notre Dame, kid, fucking eight strides to catch to a puck, fucking Owen Power, the first overall pick, takes three big strides, that fucking six foot seven frame, out of Mississauga, Ontario, same as me, uh, to get to the fucking puck. Dude, that's a physical talent you cannot fucking teach. No skating technique is going to compete eight strides versus three. You can't teach height, okay? So... Watching this kind of like physical gap and just out physically out skilling, out talenting these motherfuckers from South Bend, Indiana, the fucking Wolverines lost four to three in overtime. And I was like pissed. Three to two in the overtime the first game. Because they they should have won. And they they were just sloppy. They were just one ready. They couldn't finish. Only offense they got going was Maddie Bennier. Uh the second overall pick, the Seattle Kraken's first ever pick. And Seattle Kraken suck ass. And I more and more I watch Beniers. I just go like this kid needs to be in the fucking NHL. Why is he here? I thought that time and time over and over. He looks like Connor McDavid against the rest of these motherfuckers. You know? And I just go, he was the one doing, you know, coast to coast, you know, produce the offense until Pat Brisson, the Sidney Crosby's agents, his kid, other other Brisson who's a Vegas first-round pick last year, you know, score the goal off of a cheap, uh, the, uh, the, the chip shot, cheap rebound. I just go like, they should have won this. They should have destroyed Notre Dame, like, 5-1. to one. They, they lost in overtime on a shitty penalty, which was a major, and then people on the Facebook are complaining about the referee. It's like, oh, he went to state, all that shit. I just go like, dude... So what happened was that the Michigan was playing from behind when they shouldn't have played from behind. They were up two to one, about fifteen minutes left in the third period, and Colleen was going. Well, two to one is the two nothing, especially is the worst kind of lead he can have, or you know something like that, two goal lead basically. And then the Notre Dame came back like, you know, two one, and then like two two, and then it went to overtime. They got really sloppy, but I think what really happened the first game the Friday night was that they were exhausted because I think the coach Mel Pearson was running the first two lines up and then go, You better fucking pull your weight. And then they once once they went up two nothing in that two-goal lead, excuse me, it was in two one at that point. I they started putting the third, fourth line guys in, and then they were just pooching it. So they ended up like putting back in the main guys in, but they got tired and they scored. Squ- You know the Notre Dame scored the tying goal And then when we got to the overtime You know three on three And then it became a power play for Notre Dame And then the power play came about 143 left in the overtime And it was a major penalty to our captain Who decided to check from behind When he saw the two double digits in the back of the jersey onto the board And that's a checking from behind And I go fuck you saw two numbers and checked the guy That's a major and then people on Facebook are commenting like, oh, the referee was against us, blah, blah, blah. Then he, then he went to state. No, fuck that shit. They, they, they fucking didn't play up to the level they should have played. They deserve to lose that Friday night game. And then the Saturday night game, which I didn't go, but I was following. Just curious what happened. Uh, they outshot Notre Dame 41-21, to but lost in overtime 5-4. to At one point when I was following in the late third period, they were down 4-3. to Clearly, they were off their game. And then peop, you know and then the refereeing sucked, maybe the refereeing did suck the second game. But I just go like, dude, you still outshot these people 41 to 21. You got like first round talent left and right versus god, you guys are good enough to make the college hockey kids, you know, in the Big 10 in the Division 1 hockey. And then you couldn't you couldn't outscore them. You should have killed these people 8 to 3. So the fact that they couldn't pull that off and execute the last weekend, I was fairly disappointed. And I just go like, is this team This team better shore the fuck up? And then I was already pissed off because the Michigan basketball team poached it against Seton Hall a week ago on Tuesday. Uh, I, you know, they jacked up like, 15 three-pointers and missed 14 of them or something something ridiculous like that they went cold especially the last five minutes and i put some money on this game because uh draft king's always good at you know attracting me back bringing me back in when i was out of it so i decided to put in like couple you know boosted odds boosted profit bets that added up to about 75 dollars and then you know what until about you know 12 minutes left in the half michigan was up by 10 and then I, you know, I think the game line was like Michigan 8.5, money line Michigan. And I said, I'll take Michigan 8.5. And, and I took the bet twice because it was like two maximum bet limitation for the winnings. So that added up to $50, $25 bet, $75. And then they looked good until the last 12 minutes and started pooching it. And then they lost. And then they absolutely got destroyed the Sunday night against Arizona uh, in one of the invitations. So two teams that I look forward to seeing winning. The basketball and the hockey team absolutely pooched it last weekend, the last week. So I'm a little concerned, but at the same time, I'm going like, you better figure this shit out now before we going to the U.S. Thanksgiving. And then better shore up. The tournament's coming. Frozen 4, they're going to play. So I just go like, if they don't make the final four or Frozen 4 for both of them, it's a fucking flop of a season. I'll say that right now. So there's that. And then... uh. <laughs> Michigan football team is about to play Ohio, and I'm not looking forward to it, know, blah, blah, blah. I don't give a shit. It's like the Maple Leafs until they get to the playoffs at this point. Um, the last I checked the line, I'm just going to be off screen over here, reading the line one more time. Oh, what's the line as of the Tuesday night they came up with the line? Because I really think it's like a lopsided Ohio State victory, if the history suggests and it's correct. And I kind of look at that point, but... Out of all the years, ever since 2016 season, when they should have beaten Ohio, but the referee gave the fucking dumbass ball to Ohio in Columbus, I'm still never forgetting that game. Uh, this is probably the closest that Michigan has a chance to beat Ohio State. And it's in Ann Arbor. And I think Ohio State... Personally, I don't think Ohio State is a playoff-level caliber team, especially this year. I mean, they're, ever since Urban Meyer left... I think that team's defense has been dog shit, as evidenced by last year when Alabama just shellacked them, and some of you might be going, oh, but that was Alabama, what'd you expect? But I'm sorry, like, their passing defense is utter dog shit, like, which is why I was very surprised that Michigan State, this past weekend, absolutely did not pass the ball, or they fucking copped out, basically. And then Oregon beat them this way And all the other teams throw a lot of yards on fucking Ohio State Like even Purdue when they lost like 50-something to 30-something The fact that Purdue put up 30-something points in Columbus, Ohio Not in West Lafayette, Indiana Tells me a lot They put up like, the guy threw like 350 yards The Purdue guy, over 300 yards On this Ohio State defense and then Oregon's the, the other team that beat Ohio State early in the season this year. And Oregon, Oregon lost looks really bad on Ohio State, given that Oregon lost two of the winnable games to Stanford and Oregon, uh, the Utah this past weekend. They got absolutely schlacked in Salt Lake City. And Oregon and Pac-12 as a whole look like a fringe playoff team anyway. So in my opinion, if Oregon could take advantage of that secondary like that, I just go like Michigan has a good chance And other Big Ten teams really Got a lot of passing yardage Even on the junk time, garbage time or whatever So I, I think the, ga- the strategy to win it you know, If I follow the Jim Harbaugh playbook Sticking to the playbook bullshit Which is going to be They're going to stick to the run game And Michigan is going to try to tire out Ohio State Through you know, rigid runs In the beginning of the game and what they are going to hope for is that they make some defensive calls to the new defensive coordinator, Mike McDonald, who I think is a fascinating pick um, com- coming in as a defensive uh, linebacker coach out of uh, Baltimore Ravens. He's like 30-something years old. The Michigan staff is very young, 30-something. They're not old people. Unlike the Don Brown defensive coordinator ship, which actually did no adjustment and got killed in the crossing routes for some fucking reason, you know, you know giving up four or five hundred yards ridiculously you know which I talked about endlessly since the 2018 you know episode also that I had about the state of Michigan football which I don't think the state really changes their opinion really changes at this point but you know assuming that they're able to make adjustments and make some actual defensive calls and stand strong I think the strategy for Michigan is just run the ball and then tire them out then you start going deep, and then you're gonna have occasional deep balls. Because I think the quarterback McCarth, uh, McNamara, has shown that, especially in the Michigan State game, you know he can throw the ball, and then he can complete the balls. And then Michigan has the, the wide receiver weapons to finish it, which is a big concern coming into this season. It's like where are the verticals on this team? You know, the honorable people Jones and all those people—they're all gone. Where are they? Where are they? And then like you know what—they're there. They're there if you look for them, and then they have proven through this thin Big Ten schedule. I'll say it's very thin. Uh, They have proven that they can play. So it built the Michigan the confidence, and I I really don't think the state game was really bad for Michigan. You know, rainy game, shitty way to run the ball, shitty way to drop the ball, but I just go like, dude, if, if Michigan and Michigan State play that game, you know, 12 times, I think Michigan would have won 10 out of 12 times if it weren't for that condition. Kenneth Walker, give him all the credit on Michigan State, who's the Heisman front runner? But I just go like, overall, as a Michigan State team, that's not a great team. If you saw how Ohio State destroyed them and Purdue picked them apart, I, I don't take Michigan State way too seriously. So I think they were overrated, and they overachieved a lot with the thinness of their schedule. And Michigan, on the flip side of the coin, also has a really cheap, easy schedule. Which is why I just go, uh-huh, uh-huh, and then just get the fundamentals down, don't get hurt, and then let's see what happens this Saturday. Ohio State, on the other hand, I just go like, you look, the pure talent and athleticism that they got, you cannot compete against that. However, that said, I think their secondary is utter dog shit. So even if they beat Michigan and get into the college football playoff and play Georgia or Alabama, I'm going like, yo, I, I think SEC team... W- either team will pick this Ohio State secondary apart. Their rushing defense is pretty good. They they got a strong front line in the trenches, right? I think that's where Michigan will try to you know play the game there. It's 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 in the trenches. But I just go like, look, you got to you, you got to adjust here. I think like first two plays that Michigan goes when they get the ball, they're going to throw the fucking ball and say, "Oh, we here, we here." And then see if they can complete a couple modest passes. But I think the overall game plan would be just beat their defensive line and then get the, get the secondary running around a lot and get them tired and then attack them when they need to. I don't think Michigan is going to come out slinging the ball. I'll be very surprised. That would be a gutsy fucking call if they do that, but I don't think they'll do that. Because, because this Ohio State uh, trenches, the defensive line is really good. And I think their athletes in general are still really good. But I think Ryan Day as an offensive coach is a shitty recruiter when it comes to the defensive side of the ball. Mike Vrabel's gone. You know, uh, what the fuck is his name in the Rutgers? You know, that guy is gone. You know, so like Ohio State is not a defensive team anymore. And then I think their expiration date is kind of reaching when it comes to recruiting proudness, prowess um, compared to Michigan. and. To be honest, I I want them to just play a competitive game. I don't expect them to win. I think the game line right now is 8.5 Ohio State minus 8.5. Money line minus 300 on Ohio State plus 240 of Michigan. Over under is 64.5. So they're expecting something like, oh, I don't know. It will be like 42 to 22 or 20, 42 to 20 for Ohio State. That's kind of the fucking line these guys are looking at, 8.5. Or it would be like, oh, I don't know, 35-20, 25, you know, something like that, right? Like, the the t- more than a touchdown difference, but not quite a two-score difference. That's why the betting line looks like. I go, oh, that's like, you know, I, it's in Ann Arbor, so I'm like, let's see how it goes. But holy shit, I spent 20 minutes talking about the Michigan sports. You know what? It's a rare episode. I talk about that shit. Why the fuck not? And then uh, also, I got to tell you, I got to give you an update, life update here. Uh, I got a Moderna boost shot, number three. So I'm going to quick keep this short because it's been 20 minutes already. Um, it's very similar to the second shot. And then uh, it, not the full dosage amount, I don't think it was. But for me, I think it really took, similar to the second shot, took me 48 hours to really shake it off. So it's been 60 hours for me, 23 and a half hours now. <laughs> no, uh, 59 and a half hours, excuse me. Uh, Since I have taken the booster shot. And then uh, I think the first 48 was really wobbly. I should have taken a sick day, I must say. But I I felt fine after going through it, you know, the first day I got it on Sunday. And then I had chills overnight because I got my shot at like 1130 or so, you know. And then it was a similar experience. It wasn't as feverish, I will say, as the first time. And those of you wondering why you need a booster shot, first of all, your, your your immunity does wane. That's There's no question about that about six months in, regardless what vaccine you took. Second of all, consider this as a reminder exercise for your cells so that they will be able to generate the antibody, you know, what the third time. You know, and then the I am guessing that we're going to have a fourth booster of the same, you know, assuming that we don't have any mutations or other variants that come. And then that would hopefully kind of lock in and say, you know what, like your body now remembers. It's like the HPV vaccine or other shots where you take multiple over time. It's like, yeah, your body should remember what that is, you know, at that point. So I think that's how this is going to go. But who knows how the future is going. I'm in the state of Michigan where we have the worst, you know, number of hospitalization and the worst number of, you know, cases per 100,000 over the last two weeks. So um. Anyways, I got the booster shot. It's going to take a couple of weeks for, for it to fully kick in. But I'm still taking my measures, wear my mask, distant, clean my hands, all that shit. You know, all that stuff. But anyways, I'm going to leave it here. I wanted to talk about other things. But uh, you know what? I- I'm going to record that elsewhere because next week I'll be away. So it will be a pre-recorded episode you're going to hear. Uh, I'll talk about that topic next week. And then uh, have a great American Thanksgiving. Or if you don't use that term, Happy Indigenous People's Day. Happy Indigenous People's Week. You know, because did they really go fucking, uh, you know, Quaker people, the pilgrims, really played nice? Or did they deliver fucking herpes and other uh, biological weapons that we don't have a vaccine? They didn't have a vaccine against at that time, huh? Anyways, I'm going to leave. I'm not going to leave on a sour patch, you No. Know? Anyways, have a great rest of the week, and then uh, have a great holiday week, and then uh, be safe on the Black Friday, and then uh, we'll see you next week. Peace out.